Welcome to the Succession Stories podcast. I'm Lori Barkman. I work with business owners to maximize value, create options for the future, and be happy in your next. I'm excited to share the What's Next series as part of Succession Stories. These conversations spotlight the theme of transitions. Changes can come at you unexpectedly or be planned. Are you ready? After all, in business and life, succession is about transitions and how you embrace what's next matters. On this What's Next episode, I'm joined by John Dwoskin, business coach and author of the Think Big Movement. John shared his experience selling his first company and the cancer diagnosis that changed not only his career, but his outlook on life. Facing death head-on made John realize how his biggest fears were holding him back. Instead, he turned it into a mission, helping people get unstuck. Be sure to listen for John's actionable ideas for trusting your intuition and taking action on small things for big results in your life. John Dwaskin, thank you so much for joining me on Succession Stories. This is a special episode of the What's Next series. And as we've talked about before you coming onto the show, it's a time for people who are thinking about transitions in their life. And I love having authentic conversations with people who have gone through a significant life transition and brought it to the point in their life where they're able to share their experience with other people to help them in their journey. And I think you're the perfect person to have a conversation with. So welcome. I appreciate that, Lori. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start by you sharing a little bit about your background? Where'd you grow up? What are some of the formative things in your life? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate you having me on the show. And, you know, I I love what you're talking about as far as just transitions, because, you know, I think when you're younger, you kind of think like, boom, boom, boom. But as you get older, and I'm going to be 49 this year, you realize that there's no straight line to the career you ultimately end up in, you know, or, or what you end up doing. And when you look at it in reverse, it's so interesting, all the things that kind of pop up along the way and the people that you meet and tap into. I was talking about this with my cousin yesterday, you know, it's like, you, you never know what's gonna, what's gonna be, but you got to trust the universe. And, you know, I, I, and we were talking about this last night, And I think as I kind of look back, I think that was kind of always an undercurrent. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was always kind of an undercurrent of of what I followed. But growing up, you know, I mean, I I grew up in, you know, in the suburbs and my dad was a dentist and everyone in my family were entrepreneurs and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. and, And then I always wanted to own my own business. And I went to Eastern Michigan, I graduated with a double major in journalism and economics, changed my major every six months because I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And then after I graduated college, I started an internet company with my brother. This was in June of 1995. On the early uh, side of it all. The early (laughs) side, yeah. And it was my brother and I and a buddy of ours, Scott, and we each kind of had our role. I was the the sales guy, my brother was the creative, and Scott was the kind of day-to-day operations. And my role was doing sales and go, going out there and, you know, growing the sales team. And, and because when I was 18 years old, my dad gave me a set of tape sets before I started college. And he said to me, uh, Jonathan, I think you'll learn more from these people than you will college. If you get less than a three point in college, you're coming home. But 
And I became addicted to these tapes, Brian Tracy, Psychology of Success, and, and everything that followed after. So all through college, I, I, I studied these people every single day. So I almost got like a master's or a PhD in self-study. I didn't know it at the time. I just was listening to it because it resonated with me. And so when I graduated college and I started my company, I was able to business plan and, and, and kind of lead that in my business because I had studied it for so long. It was, it, and it intuitively came natural, naturally to me, but I also had studied it. Anyway, long story short, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. We built that company up to about two dozen people, sold it two years later to the largest internet professional service firm in the world, became partners in that company. Two years later, when my contract was up, I left, I took some time off, which we can get into later. And then ultimately I went into commercial real estate as a broker for six years, became the top conventional guy in my office, wanted to then start my own business, but I got offered the opportunity to take over my office, which I did in August, August 4th of 08. And then the market crashed in September. And over the next six years, grew that office to one of the most profitable in the company and up to 45 agents, 60 some people. But then after six years of that, I was getting restless. I really wanted to start my own business. As I was getting ready to exit that company, I got offered an opportunity to go in-house for a year and restructure a 50-year-old company. So I did that for a year. And then six years ago, started this company coaching you know, solopreneurs to Fortune 100 companies and everything in between all over the world. And it's it's the greatest. I love oh, it. That's fantastic. What an yeah. overview. And that is, yeah, definitely something I want to rewind on. So I can just imagine, picture you going to college with your Walkman, <laughs> right? Your, your headset on, not, not probably too differently than what I'm wearing yeah. right now. All right. Oh, no, okay. absolutely. Headset here. No, but I think you were learning how to learn. Correct. Right. In summary, <clears throat> because here you are, this high school kid, right? Which high school, we think we know it all and you're going to college. But there was also something special that I understand reading an article and preparing for this interview. There was something special you learned about yourself in, in listening to those tapes. And, yeah. and again, on the theme of <clears throat> learning how to learn. What did you learn about yourself? Well, yeah, but I, I have always been on a quest to learn how I learned because I never understood how I learned because I knew I didn't learn like other people. I could, you know, study and then fail a test. It never made sense to me. You know, I always felt like I was smart, but I couldn't do well in school. <laughs> right. I mean, it was just it was so challenging for me. And so when I was 30, I I was in real estate. And I had been working 100 hours a week. And I finally, after about a year, year and a half, got $100 million worth of assets to sell in one week. It was like all these seeds that I had planted from five different clients that all landed. And I was pitching them to my Chicago offices. And I spent hundreds of hours underwriting these deals. I mean, I knew them like the back of my hand. But on a Friday, I kind of put them to rest and then, you know, spent the weekend not looking at them. And then on Monday had this conference call and I forgot every, people started asking me questions. I couldn't remember one thing. So it, it didn't make sense to me. So I called my therapist and I said, I need to get some type of IQ test because what happened, it just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. People were asking me questions. I couldn't even, I couldn't retrieve anything on things that I knew really, really well. So long story short, I did this five day test, two hours a day, and he said to me at the end, you should buy the book Living with Dyslexia. And I thought, for, well, for who? And he said, for you, because, you know, you have a learning disability. And, and by the way, you're, I know you think you're visual, but you're really more auditory than you are anything. And so it, it made perfect sense to me at the time, right? So I learned how to learn. I learned that 
no matter how much time I spend on something, I have to give myself five or 10 minutes to restudy it, to bring it back to the retrieval part of my brain. Because sometimes I, I can't, which is odd because sometimes I can read a book and, and, and I don't know if I could write a paper about it after, but five years later, two years later, six months later, the, you know, the information I need for that book when I'm talking to a client will just come to me. So it's kind of weird how, how it works. But I learned that I was auditory, so it made sense. All of these past, this point I was 30, you know, the past 12 years, I'd been listening to all of these tapes and, and my retention was so high. And I learned how I was learning. I learned that that's why it, it resonated so much because I was listening versus other senses. So it was great. It was great for me to just kind of put, you know, some framework around it and understand how I learn so I could just amplify that for myself. Yeah. And you were 30. You didn't know until later in life, so many people probably struggle in school and they get frustrated. And there's something about their approach that if there was somebody like you had these tests and it could help you imagine if you had that, you know, 10, 20 years prior. Right. I did say to my dad at the time, like, like, where, where were you and mom? What, what? They said, well, we actually, we did get you tested when you were 10, but I, I don't know where they got me tested, but you know, obviously it wasn't, you know, yeah. the right test. Yeah. So you had some successes early on in your career. That's incredible that you your brother and your and your colleague launched this company. You sold it to, to US Web, which I am yeah. familiar with from the early days of the internet. I'm one of the yeah. internet old timers also. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. as early as 95, but I got my start in the internet in 98. Okay. Uh, you took some time off. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What happened? Yeah, it was great. You know, I had been working a hundred plus hours a week since I graduated college and I just was working to the bone and I was 23 when I started the company, 25 when I sold it, 27 when I left. And I felt like I was 47, right? So I, I remember just, I was just, I didn't have anything left in me. And during that time, my grandfather who lived with us passed away. My mom passed away. There was a, just a lot of people who had passed away in my family. And I felt like I was about to have, I, I say this, like, you know, I say I was about to have a nervous breakdown. I really wasn't about to have a, you know, a clinical nervous breakdown, but I couldn't, I couldn't do anymore. I, I, I needed to just decompress. I needed to sleep in. I needed to just be on my own agenda. And so I took a year and a half off and I knew intuitively, and I was fortunate that I had, I was in a position where I could after selling my company, I knew I needed to take a year and a half off. I started a side business that I really was never into. And that was just something I should never have done. It didn't require really much time, but, but I really just took a year and a half off. And in that time I got into therapy, I slept in, I just started doing whatever I wanted to do. You know, my whole life had been this business. And prior to that, and during this was taking care of, you know, a, a sick family members and this and the other, like, I just needed time for myself to do what I wanted to do and just kind of get back to center. And, um, and I knew, I knew intuitively that I needed a year and a half and it was almost a year and a half to the day when I started getting back into the workforce. And it was great because in that time, I just was able to do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, it was great. And I met my now wife during that time. And it was, she was living in Chicago, even though she's from Detroit. So I was able to just go to, you know, go to Chicago for a couple of weeks, you know, and then come back and do my thing and then go back to Chicago. And, and it was great. I, I, I'm so grateful for that time because it gave me time to just, you know, get grounded. And then life threw you a curveball. You were newlywed. <laughs> you were getting your career, you know, moving in the direction you wanted. And, yeah. and then you got some disappointing news. What happened then? Yeah. 
So it was interesting. So I, when I met my wife, she was seeing a holistic doctor, Dr. Darren Weissman, who has become a buddy of mine. I've had him on my podcast and he taught me how to meditate. And I had been meditating for many years before, but I didn't know it was meditation. I had meditation CDs that I listened to while I studied or this. Anyway, he taught me how to really meditate. And, and I was meditating every day. We had just gotten married and all of a sudden my meditations just went black. And I just, I said to my wife, I, I, kind of intuitively feel like I have testicular cancer. Like I can't put my finger on it. I don't have any symptoms, but I just feel it. And I happened to be reading Lance Armstrong's book at the time. And, you know, we were kind of like, well, maybe it's just the book or, you know, this and the other, but the feeling absolutely would not go away. So I had just had a checkup and this was in December. And so now it's like February, March. So I called my stepbrother and I said, Hey, I, I want to go to a new doctor. Long story short, he felt a lump and I went to a urologist and the urologist said, you're absolutely fine. I said, I know, but I know I'm not fine. I can just sense it. So just take my blood. He goes, I'm so positive you're fine. I'm not even going to take your blood. You know, in hindsight, I'm a big believer, you know, you have to be your own doctor and I should have pushed it because I just intuitively knew. He said, come back in 30 days. Well, I came back in 30 days, long story short. And he said, you were right. You do. You have, you know, stage one testicular cancer. And so I think just before I go on, you know, I think the lesson is we, we have to be our own doctors and not only just in the medical field, but, you know, if there's the most expensive lessons in my life have always been not listening to my gut, which I think my, which I know my instincts are really good and my intuition, my gut, but in those moments when I haven't listened, you know, um, that business I was talking to you about earlier was something I knew I didn't want to do, but I did it. And my brother and my dad wanted me to do it. And I did it. And then I ended up writing a $125,000 check to close the business. So, you know, I look at it as like, it was a, a very expensive seminar on listening to your gut. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's really, really important. So um, anyway, long story short, um, you know, I had 17 treatments of radiation and um, I was still able to have children, thank God, um, naturally. And it was, I was blessed to not have an extreme case. That being said, um, if I didn't go back after 30 days, what I then later found out was it's testicular cancer is the most curable cancer, but also the fastest growing cancer in the body. It doubles in size every 30 days. Wow. And so had I been laissez-faire about it, it, it and not continually listen to my instincts, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah. So, and then I decided at that point, I'm going and getting to commercial real estate, which is something my grandfather was always, um, was part of in residential and a little bit in investment real estate. I always wanted to do it. And then I kind of fell into um, that business after that. So do you think that having this scare, sometimes cancer touches a lot of our lives. You know, we all know friends or family, unfortunately, we're, hopefully they've <clears throat> survived cancer. And it changes them in some ways, right? They get maybe a new lease on life when they they come out through the other side and they, I guess, what, five years later, typically they're monitoring you over a period of time to yeah. make sure you're cancer-free and you celebrate that, right? But does it give you a different lease on life? And is that what happened to you? So for me, it was, um, it was interesting that my, my cousin I was talking to yesterday, I was sharing earlier, we were talking about this because it's now 19 years that this happened. And I was sharing, you know, my son's about to go to college in the fall. My daughter's 15. Um, it just seems like, like lifetimes ago, you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't even seem, but, but yeah, it's, um, I always tried to be into the mindset that um, it was, it was a lesson. 
it doesn't define me. And um, I, 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 I just, I, I'm moving on, <clears throat> I'm moving on. Like, but it was at my 10 year checkup. So for a testicular cancer, you really only need five years, but I did 10 years of checkups because I wanted to be extra safe. And, and I've always had, I kind of grew up where a lot of my family was sick and they died young. And so I always I had this fear of death. Everybody was so like, it was so extreme growing up for people in my family. It was like everyone, someone was fine and then they got sick and then they died. <laughs> there was no, I don't mean to laugh. It's more of a nervous laugh, but it was so extreme that this fear of death I had was just extreme. And um, at my tenure checkup, um, I'm driving to Chicago. My doctor calls me and says, um, I don't know why he said this to me on the phone. I was driving to Chicago for a meeting. He said, you got to come to my office right now. Your checkup's in a couple of days. We got your blood work back. You have cancer riddled through your entire body. I've never seen a case so bad. And you need to get into my office immediately. Wow. So I pulled off the side of the road. I called my wife. I called my therapist. I was like, you know, I was obviously freaking out. I don't even remember. I, sometimes I try to think about the drive home. I don't even remember the drive home. But it was, um, it was just like shocking because I didn't feel it, Lori. I didn't feel it. And so the first time I felt it, I knew. I mean, I yeah, just yeah. knew and I didn't feel it. So I picked up my wife and went to his office and he was there with this guy behind him and his computer and telling me that he has never seen a case so bad. I have cancer riddled through my body. They need to start, you know, chemotherapy. They need to start treatment. They need to, you know, and I said, I just, I think you're wrong. I just, I don't sense it. I'm not feeling it. And, um, and he said, the odds of me being wrong are like one in a million. Like, and he was on the computer and my wife's like, what are you doing? He's like, I've just never seen a case this bad in my, all my decades of, you know, which one call it. I said, okay, I, I need you to do an emergency ultrasound, CAT scan, blood work, you know, like on me, because I'm just not, I'm just not feeling this. They pushed back, they pushed back. And I, at this point was like, listen, I'm going to be my own doctor. Get me the, 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 the F and tests. And so they did. And of course, I mean, this was like completely the most freaky thing that had, you know, up to that had happened to me and my wife. I mean, we have young babies at the time. I mean, this is this is crazy. So a day and a half later, as we're waiting, thinking, I know intuitively I'm fine, but thinking I'm going to die. Right. right. Because um, with with my wife and my two young children, my wife and I are at Starbucks and my doctor calls my oncologist and he says, you're right. Um we botched your blood. It was, it was a mistake. Wow. You're fine. Wow. And, um, and that for about two and a half months, that kind of rocked my world. I think for about a year, it rocked my wife's world. But what it did for me was um, it got rid of my fear of death because I, I, it was like the universe kind of like took me to the brink of like one of my biggest fears and then just kind of brought it right back. And it infused in me, you have to have a voice. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to be your own doctor. And so what it did for me is it made that more clear and more evident. And that is what I infuse in my life. And that is what I infuse into my clients' uh, worlds, right? So to me, um, you know, I'm about getting unstuck, right? So for me, a lot, my stuck, one of my stucks in life were this, fear of death. And you, you realize that when you get unstuck from that, like the, 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 the additional fresh energy you get in your world and your life. And, you know, you let go of things that are just not rational on, on any level. And, um, and, and that's what it did for me.
So I powerful story, John. Oh, thanks, Lori. (laughs) That's a powerful story. People listening are probably shaking their head like, wow. So you were your own advocate. You stood up for what you inherently knew was right. In some situations, people might not have had the courage to do that. You trust your, you know, your doctors that they're going to set the right course for you. But that was such a dire situation. And you stepped forward and leaned in on it. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, imagine. and I think most people, Lori, would have just said, OK, like, OK, you know, that's fine. But um, but you everybody has to get a second and third opinion. And and you have to, you know, I, I recently a couple of years ago, my buddy, um, uh, Jim Nizinski introduced me to something called the Enneagram. Have you ever taken the Enneagram? No. So it's an interesting uh, personality test and it, and it's, it's pretty cool. You should look into it. I just interviewed this woman who teaches Enneagram and what it does is it talks about that you have an intellectual, you know, your, your IQ, but then you have a GQ and an EQ, your gut instinct and your intuitive instinct. And, um, and, and, and I think a lot of us, you know, ignore our gut and intuition. And so for me, my intuition has always been really high, always since I was a kid. My gut, my intuition has always been high. And so when I haven't listened to it, it's cost, it could have cost me my life and it's cost me money. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it, and so uh, to me, it's like getting people to, to tap into that is, is really, really important. You can't take things at face value. And listen, there are family members that we love that give us bad advice, you know, um, and, and there are doctors that aren't always right. And I think doctors are great. Doctors have been amazing. I love doctors. This isn't a negative against doctors, but everybody makes a mistake and you have to take care of yourself. Let's talk about where you are today and how you help clients. You alluded to that earlier. You've created a movement. You've created a, you've written a book called The Think yeah. Big Movement. You work with clients on, on thinking big and inspiring them to be their best. Why don't you share a little bit about how your experience and going through your fears, you know, overcoming your fears and improving not only the way you see things and how, you know, how you bring that to clients and how you, how you work together to be a, a business whisperer. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. I don't know if, um, you know, never believe your own PR. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, to me, it's, um, I've always loved business, Lori. I've always loved it. Um, ever since I was a kid, I was just always fascinated by it. Um, and I always, from the age of 18, wanted to be a business coach. Since I put those tapes on my, on my, I'm in my Walkman, as you said, which is hilarious, right? Um, I always, I thought, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to help other people get unstuck. I want to write books. I want to speak. I want to inspire people to be better. And, you know, they say you, you, you teach your pain also in a way. And so, you know, I think, you know, this, this fear of growing up, um, you know, you know, I grew up, my mom had an illness and, um, you know, so you, you kind of grow up. My aunts died at a very young age. My mom's sister, you, you know, you grow up around some of these things where you, you know, I, I was kind of stuck being a caregiver in a way at a very young age because of the circumstances I was in and getting unstuck from that is an amazing feeling. And so um, not that you don't love the people that you're helping, but when you're, you know, it's sometimes when you're doing it and you still feel stuck, it's kind of like this push pull in a way. And, um, and so I, 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 through all the stages of my life where I've gotten unstuck, I, I see how amazing it is. Right. And I see that when I work with clients, 
I see things because of, um, you know, whether it's my DNA and my the dyslexia, however it is, life experience, I see things and break it down just intuitively to the simple. And I think people make things very complicated sometimes. And so, you know, there's nothing more fulfilling than working with a client who's doing something and making it so complicated. And I say, well, hey, how about if you do it like this? I say, oh my God, that's, you know, that's, that's life-changing. The aha and moments. It's their aha moments. And <clears throat> so I can now, I, I, I have kind of realized that my, my gut instincts and my intuitive and my, my listening skills and my, my um, you know, I'll say some kind of psychic skills, right? Where, where I don't know where the gifts come from. I really sometimes don't. Like I, I really believe in the universal energy of, you know, when I'm with a client, things just come through me. I can't really explain it. Um, I, I don't try to explain it. I don't really kind of share that with clients as much, but I just, but it, I hear things and see things that they miss, like literally. And so I, um, you know, I'll say things to clients like, well, what about this? How did you even pick up on that? And I don't know. I just pick up on it. And so, um, and so for me, thinking big is about, you know, making small changes, doing small things that you, um, that you do consistently to your big. And that big is your goal. It's your purpose. It's your mission. But the undercurrent of everything I do is to get people unstuck, get people to find their voice, um, get people to find their courage, get people to find their, um, uh, their confidence, because I believe that everybody has more potential in them and they just don't know how to access it. And I have found through my years of working with business coaches, which I still do, um, they can access a part of me that, oh, I didn't know was there. And it's like just 1% is, or 0.001%, it makes a world of difference. So if I can help focus people, if I can help get to give them ideas, which I'm a big idea person, set a vision, reverse engineer the vision, give them tools and keep them consistent, in their action to get to their big as they do the small things every week. That's great. That's very fulfilling for me. And that ties in with the name of my firm, which is small.big. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of synergy yeah, there. No, I love, I love the name of your company. Yeah, your business. Uh, well, thank you for, for sharing that background. Because you talked to so many different types of executives, CEOs, business owners, C-suite, over the last year with the pandemic, is there anything that you've noticed that's different in your coaching conversations? Yeah, I think over the last year, I think people are realizing that they have to have more structure in their day. They have to have more structure because things are just unstructured right now. And so they, you know, a lot of people are working from home, they're managing from home, the systems, the processes that they that they never had in place because they didn't necessarily thought that think they had to because people were just a a, a step away, a walk away, a floor away you know, getting people and working with them on time management, structure, you know, and, and effective leadership as far as communication goes, you know, communication is, has changed, you know, I mean, you and I, I love talking to you and this is amazing via zoom. And we've talked a couple of times and, um, but, but it, but, I, but I still would love to meet you in person because there's that energy, but that's changing. And there's like this hybrid normalcy now that is, um, that is, not going away anytime soon. And so teaching people how to, you know, train their people differently, talk to their people differently, um, give grace to their people, right? Um, be more specific and measurable 
um, to exactly what they need to be doing, not micromanaging, but being very specific and measurable in their leading activities of what they need to be doing and how to structure their day. Um, you know, I do a lot of time management keynotes, right? I'm not doing really keynotes right now, but I'll, I'll do virtual keynotes. And everybody's trying to figure out how to, how do I set goals? Um, how do I manage my time? How do I time block? How do I structure my day? And there's no more, you know, nine to five is not a thing anymore. It's kind of like wake up, get the kids ready, get them off to school. You know, they're coming home for lunch or maybe they're in bed, right? Um, or at the kitchen table or, you know, I mean, life, how we know it is different. And, and we have to realize that and have um, more empathy and, um, it's a Yiddish word, Rachmanis, for, you know, for how we manage people. And sometimes people can have to take off three to five o'clock because they need to be with their kids and they're working from home and then they plug back in from six to eight or whatever it is or after the kids go to bed. So, um, you know, figuring out that landscape of, because um, a year ago, <clears throat> a little over a year ago, most companies, I mean, minus the millennials saying they wanted flex time and work from home, nobody, most everyone was anti that whole movement and they had to adapt and pivot very quickly. And now it's, 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 it's way more the norm. And I, I interviewed a guy yesterday, Louie, on my podcast, who deals with a lot of artificial intelligence. He was this brilliant guy from, um, from Brazil. Um, and he, I asked him, how many years do you think COVID accelerated all of us? And he said, minimum five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, a minimum five to 10 yeah. accelerated in the sense of what we expect from ourselves or accelerated around what edge? Well, well, I think it accelerated things, the e-commerce platform, right? I mean, everyone needs an e-commerce platform, the way you train your people. Um, I think it accelerated, you know, how much a company has to be online if they need an office, you know, talent now is well, a lot of companies are saying, wait, I don't, I don't need a sales manager. If our office is here, I can have a sales manager anywhere because most people are working part-time remotely now. So, um, you know, I think it just accelerated, I think overall, if I had to say mindset as well and innovation and, and how people forecast and shift and look at their business. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with those things. I, that's why I asked the kind of the follow-up qualifier because depending who you talk to, it, it sort of accelerated the aging process. That they just, they're tired, right? A lot of right. business owners who have been in business for 20, 30 years, they're tired and they're ready to sell and have a succession and transition yeah. and move on. So I think if you're a business that's an ongoing concern and you have an edge for sustainability, then yes, you're probably motivated to find innovations and, and improve where you can, like with e-commerce and, yeah. and finding new customer segments. To move forward, but in a lot of other cases, we're just tired. And and I, I appreciate what you said too about how the nature of work is changing. Let's make this an actionable thing. I know you're a coach and you like to do hot seat coaching. If <laughs> someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, what are three things that I can take away, you know, from listening to John today? What what might those three things be as you yeah. look forward into 2021 and beyond? Sure. One always know your three critical leading specific and measurable again i'll say leading activities that you need to do every single day we get lost a lot of people get lost in lagging activities admin work you know things that are not growing the business and so you really and you, and you got to be as specific and measurable as possible a lot of times people just say <clears throat> for example just because it's easy as an example make a lot of calls today 
you know, call everybody on my list, you know, versus saying, you know, call 10 new people, reach out to these 10, you know, uh, past clients, like be very specific and intentional. Next, become a student of your calendar and really know how to time block and how to use your calendar as the roadmap of your business. It is absolutely critical. And most people I talk to are horrible at time management, do not know how to use their calendar, do not know how to time block. When I was 18 years old, my dad came home and said, I signed you up for a Franklin Covey time management weekend. And um, I was like, dad, I'm not going to that. He said, you're going. And I went. And I mean, what that has done for me in my life has been absolutely huge. And, um, and I've studied time management ever since. And, and I teach a lot of time management. And next, commit to learning um, every single day whether it's maybe if it, even if it's five minutes a day, if it's listening to a book, reading a book, listening to a podcast, whatever it is, you have to learn every single day, something new. And then I'll add a fourth, you have to take um, quiet time every day, quiet executive time where you maybe get into nature or meditate, whatever it is. But those are things you, you have to kind of incorporate into your rituals. Otherwise you'll, you'll just burn out. I love it, John. Those yeah. are great great words of wisdom and ideas for actionable advice. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, sure. Um, anybody can call me on my cell, 248-535-7796. I return every call, text, email, same day. Um, my website is johndwoskin.com, J-O-N-D as in David, W-O-S-K-I-N. All my social media is there. I have updated content every single day, uh, seven day a week podcast, five days of, of, of live podcasting every Monday through Friday. Um, so they can go there and uh, they can download my book for free. They can download my ebook for free. You can, you can go to Amazon and buy my book if you want, but you can download it for free on my website. And um, my podcast is called Think Business. And, um, you know, I, I, I try to provide as much content as I possibly can. So people can go to my website and, and, and just get a ton of information. You know, my, um, one of my goals um, is to provide coaching to over a billion people and get them thinking big by getting them unstuck, staying consistent and being fulfilled. And so I know um, that um, by offering as much free content as I possibly can on my website, then I'll be able to help as many people as I possibly can. And then those that want direct access to me do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then those that maybe it's not in their budget, I have a very um, a group coaching model that can fit into everybody's budget with live coaching uh, with me. But, um, but yeah, johndwaskin.com. Awesome. And I love to ask all of my guests if they have a favorite quote. I'm sure you have many things that inspire you, John. Yeah. Um, is there anything that, that comes to the forefront as a yeah. favorite quote or mantra? Tony Robbins, success minus fulfillment equals failure. I'm all about the journey of fulfillment. Um, my book is kind of written around that, um, that, that whole vibe. And, um, and I believe that we need to feel fulfilled in order to enjoy our days. Absolutely. John, thank you so much for being on Succession Stories, the What's Next series. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, the potential net proceeds of a transaction, and your financial needs after you leave the business, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand these numbers, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Take the next step by requesting an initial meeting 
to begin planning for your business transition and strategic exit today. Request a call with me by visiting smalldotbig.com. That's smalldotbig.com. I look forward to speaking with you.